Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Well, welcome to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. I am so excited to have today's guest on. This gentleman is an extraordinary individual. He's an extraordinary race director. He's an extraordinary husband, father, friend, and most certainly employer. I just want to let you guys know that if you have not raced in one of his races, you are missing out. It is one of the most invigorating experiences and you have fun and it's truly a family atmosphere when you race with Kinetic Multisports. And today I have the honor and the pleasure of interviewing none other than Mr. Greg Hawkins. Welcome, Greg. Welcome. Thank you, Mashonda. I appreciate you having me on. Wow. I, I know I say this and you probably hear this on mostly all of them, but I am truly, truly, truly just so excited to have you. I have been racing with Kinetic Multisports. Well, excuse me, not on the team. Let me be clear because they do have a racing team. But I have been racing with the organization since it was um, the Virginia, Maryland multi-series, right? Triathlon series. Yeah, Virginia, Maryland triathlon series. Yep. And then uh, I think two years ago, it changed to Kinetic Multisports, right? Indeed. So let's talk about that because Kinetic Multisport has a very significant name that kind of relates to your background. So what made you change from Virginia, Maryland Triathlon Series to Kinetic Multisport? Uh, it, it was twofold. The first was, um, you know, we bought uh, Piranha Sports. Neil Semmel uh, was retiring. And so he asked if I wanted to buy his business. And I said uh, no at first. <laughs> and then... Um, you know, like a week later, I called him back and I was like, you know, hey, is this, is this still an option? And it was. And so we absorbed uh, nine of his races into our series. But since he had races in Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, in addition to our existing portfolio in Virginia, Maryland, I was like, well, this is a this is a great time to rebrand. Um, it uh, it gave me an opportunity to, um, you know, be a non-geographic specific non-geospecific uh, race company. So that way, if, if an opportunity did come up outside of our core market, we could go after it and not have to say, oh yeah, here's the race in Pennsylvania produced by the Virginia Maryland Triathlon Series. It just didn't make any sense. So we needed to rebrand when we, when we made that acquisition. So yeah, good times. It's expensive. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Listen, anytime you rebrand, it's money involved. And it's like, that's why people like to keep everything the same and do the market research ahead of time so that they have everything that they need and not have to spend that additional yeah. money. But I will say, I'm a fan of Kinetic Multisports new color, the logo. It's fun. They're my colors. So I am a huge fan. So thank you for spending the extra money, even if it's just for You're me. Welcome. Right? You're welcome. It's all about the one. It's all about the one. But tell me about the Kinetic name and why you chose Kinetic, because people need to know how brilliant you are. And I want them to know where this Kinetic energy and Kinetic Multisports comes from. Yeah, so I was a, a chemist, a, a medicinal chemist in a former life. I worked in a, in a lab for seven years. And um, just being around chemistry and science, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, and then 
you know, one fateful day in 2004, I, I made the decision to strike out on my own. We put on our first race in 2005. And that was, you know, the original LLC was Kinetic Endeavors, just, you know, Kinetic being the, uh, the energy of motion. Um, and I, I feel like our sport embodies that. People never stop. You just got to keep moving. Um, I'm, I'm a bit wiggly myself. So I can't, I don't, I don't sit still very well. And uh, so Kinetic Multisports was born. And that is true. Uh, when you see Greg at an event, he is always moving around, always looking to help people, always just moving. And I think that's such a good part because you definitely embody the energy that you put out and that people receive from your races. So let's go back to the beginning of it all and the beginning of this sport and what made you fall in love with the sport. Uh, so tell us, how did you get involved in triathlons as an athlete? Okay. So I'm going to take you back to 1995 pre-cell phone, unless you have like a shoe box, you know, you could carry in your car. Um, so I was uh, 18 and just, just out of high school and I uh, would ride my bike uh, five miles to school each way because I was too proud to ride a bus and I didn't own a car. Um, I was running cross country and track. And then um, I was a lifeguard. So I was getting the swimming training in, in that way. And I saw a flyer for a triathlon. I was like, man, that sounds, that sounds awesome. So I, I borrowed a road bike from a buddy on the cross country team. And I ended up winning my, uh, no, I didn't win my age group. I think I got third in my age group for the first, for the first race that I did in 1995. And Man, I was I was hooked. And then the next year I did like four or five races. And the year after that was like 10 or 15. And just it's, you know, it's great. It's great. Because if you get tired of running, you just bike and swim more. If you, you know, get tired of biking, you do one of the others or you cross train or whatever. And it's just a great way to stay fit, you know, and stay agile as as we age and get creakier. Yeah, so it's like we're putting oil on those little bones of ours to help us keep going and going. Yeah, 100%. Um, so after getting involved in triathlons, did you, what made you want to put them on as events? Oh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So when I was in college, I started working for setup events as production crew. And so back in the day, we'd save $35 if we could... Uh, you know, we would help pack everything up after the race. And I was like, man, this is like, this is the, you know, struggling college this is the best deal ever. And so we'd race and tear down. And that was, that was awesome. And then the next year that led into a part-time job where I was going around with Bill Scott and setup crew and we'd put races on and we, you know, set up all the bike racks and the swim courses and just that turned into a part-time job that I was doing, you know, when I wasn't either racing you know, myself or working in the lab, I was, you know, you could find me probably 15 weekends a year, just out putting up bike racks and marking courses and helping people out. And it's just, you know, it's been great. So I, I knew, I knew what I, what I wanted to do when, when um, the, my time was up in the lab and um, yeah, it was an easy, easy decision, not an easy decision to make, but you know, I felt like God kind of really led me up to that point. So and so I'm assuming that's where you got the idea when you had ambassadors to be ambassadors and how they could save money. And it kind of helps you out from a labor cost to have them come set up or break down the race, but then they could also race as a result of helping to set up or set down a race, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also kind of our, like our interview program, 
you know, because nothing shows a person's true personality and colors when they've, they've been up since four or five in the morning, they've done their own race. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, now I have to pack everything up for two or three hours and they're hot and they're sweaty and they haven't showered. And, you know, but we make it a lot of fun and it's, it's a great way for us to, um, you know, just kind of vet people and see if we want them to, you know, be part of the team. Um, you know, just because a lot of people, I mean, it's physically demanding work and we try to only hire triathletes because they have the physical ability to do that work. So. I have definitely had an opportunity to benefit and set up, you know, or break down from a race and be able to race. And it is physically grueling and it just makes you want to honor the staff a lot more because you know sometimes athletes can come on the set and they're just like where's my stuff and you know they have this proud elitist attitude but they don't realize the behind the scenes work that goes into making sure that they have everything that they need and to be comfortable and sometimes I'm one of those that will help you be like um excuse me be grateful you know because it's a lot of work and yeah. yet they just get to come set up their bikes swim, bike, run, and leave, and not think about those who are doing the pre-work to make sure they have a great race experience. Yeah. Um, to that point, when people race kinetic, what should they expect? Um, so the, number one, I think people can expect a safe race, you know, a safe race and a fun race. Um, unfortunately, over the years, we've, we've, we've seen it all as far as like, you know, accidents and, and people, you know, not taking care of themselves or just, you know, things happen. Uh, but we do our best, you know, out of, you know, just making sure we, we coordinate properly with all the uh, various agencies and just course design, you know, try to have more right-hand turns than left-hand turns, um, rural courses, um, just, you know, earlier, early starts when we can just, you know, all those little nuances all come together to make a safe, a safe race. And, you know, it, it if you don't, if people don't go home safe, you, you're not really doing your job. Um, and just, you know, having contingency plans in place and having the resources and the expertise to, to, to make it all come together, um, you know, relatively seamlessly uh, during the event, you know, it doesn't, you know, it always sometimes it's, it looks like it's all going really, really well. And you just, you know, thankfully people don't see the, the, you know, the staff, you know, not scrambling, but like, you know, constantly hustling behind the scenes to make sure like, Hey, you know, those aid stations need to be out 15 minutes before people start going by not 15 minutes after people start going by. And that 30 minutes, you know, that's, that's a big, you know, you can be on either side of that window. It's better to be on the front end than, than the back. But just, yeah, you know, they can expect a safe race, a fun race. You know, obviously, we've got you out there, you know, DJing and announcing and Ken and his crew. And just, you know, we try to create a fun, vibrant atmosphere. I mean, triathlon is not an inexpensive sport, um, you know, from the, the equipment and the, the time, the dedication. And then, you know, you, you throw the entry fees. And, you know, it's, it's not a party on wheels, but we try to make it a party on, a party on wheels as best, as best we can. Absolutely. So especially given current COVID restrictions and whatnot, so. Which has put such a damper on things, but I want to touch back on the, the party on the wheels. It truly <laughs> is a party on the wheels. I know for like Ken, who's my mentor, who brought me into the uh, kinetic family. Um, he's like, look, it's all about making sure you have those windows of opportunities at the beginning, starting your music a certain way, building them up and not doing it too fast. And then at the end, giving them, you know, giving it all you have. 
And if you don't have those elements in place, it does kind of affect the race because music is kind of the heartbeat of the triathlon. Once you get there, it's about the feel and the vibrancy and how am I going to go? And it's funny because I just raced with you all for a Mother's Day weekend. And I'm not usually the emotional kind of girl, but for whatever reason, before the race, uh, Ken played a song. And after that song, the Star Spangled Banner came on and I was boohooing in transition like oh. a baby. And I was like, what is happening? Get yourself together, get yourself together. But then I was like, you know what? I'm having this moment and I've heard those same tunes before, but it was definitely under a different, um, just a different umbrella of emotions, but it was still just so good to hear that and to be able to truly, you know, truly be there. And speaking of, you know, transition and, uh, being at the start of the race, beginners have a wave of emotions. What are some of the things that you would say to a beginner who's coming to race with you in Connecticut or with Kinetic or just being uh, new to a race? What can they expect? Um, I think they can expect to be terrified, but, you know, and that's normal. Okay. I mean, anything new and different and challenging, it, it probably should scare you a little bit, but you really, you know, you really need to lean into that, you know, and this is just, this is where people can lean into something and, you know, really push themselves and know that there, there's rails around them and there's people around them to help them through. It's like, you know, they got to do the work. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't come out there and not know how to swim and then be like, save me, save me. Like, no, like go to the pool, get a swim lesson, something. But, you know, it's, it's a great, you know, maybe the water's a little choppy. And the biggest thing I tell people is look, relax, just take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. You're going to swim. You're going to come back. You're going to change in your bike and stuff. You're going to go out on your bike. You're going to come back and change your running stuff. You're going to go out and run. That's it. Like you've done all these things before, you know, it's not, you know, we're not launching rockets here. Just, you know, put one foot in front of the other. Maybe you take a little longer. Don't put all this pressure on yourself. Just have a good time. Ask questions, be smart about it, breathe, you know, and that's, you'll get to the finish line eventually one foot in front, one foot after the other. I like that idea of getting to the finish line eventually, because it's like that sometimes in every race, no matter how experienced you are is different and presents different challenges. And so for those of you who are listening to this or who are viewing this, just know that just because you have a good race, your very first race, it may not be the same thing your second race. And you have to be able to embrace the changes that you may expect or experience, but also the breathing element and remaining calm is going to be key in making sure that your race is successful no matter how it starts, because it's not about how it starts. It's all about the finish. Yep. That's it. But let Agreed. me ask you this. I talked about me having a crying moment in transition. And I just want to know, you know, the viewers and listeners want to know, have you ever cried before a race? When I've raced or like race directing before oh, or after? See, this is good. Okay. So we'll ask first as an athlete. Um. You know, I don't know that I've cried, but I've definitely kind of gotten all like choked up. And I don't, I don't know what it is about the release of endorphins, but like sometimes I'll just start thinking about a family member, you know, like just 
sort of, you know, someone that's close to me, whether it's my kids or my wife, or my mom or my dad, and it's like, God, I just, I just love them so much, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know what it is about like, you know, you're, you're out there trying to push 20, 24 miles an hour on the bike or, you know, just lay it all out on the run, but you're like, like, why am I, is this exercise induced asthma or am I just like, like, <laughs> so why am I so emotional? It's like, I don't know what that is. What is that about? I don't know. Like, you know, but that's just, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it happens. It happens for sure. Awesome. Now, as a race director, because when you act as a race director, I'm assuming you've cried before a race. Yeah. Well, never, never, never before, never before. So, um, but I, I definitely have briefly during during an event. Just there was a, a, a cardiac event, and uh, just it's just it's just awful. You know, you got you've got to make that phone call to the emergency contact, and 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 you know, put on a brave face. But it's just not an easy call to. Easy call to make. I was a part of an event last, it, well, not last year, but it feels like last year just because we didn't race at all last year, but in 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, I had an ex experience of a first cardiac event and it was no fault of anybody's. It's just, it happened when they jumped in the water. It was an extreme cardiac event and it was his first time, mm. you know, swimming in this particular distance. And even though it was a straight downstream water, I think when he jumped in, it was just yeah. like his heart rate was so high that he could not calm down. And thankfully he is um, alive and recovering now, but it was a big ordeal, but it was really scary. And I just had to think to myself, like this was his first opportunity, his first time going out for this distance. He is a beginner and this is how it, 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 it was for him. And that's an, ex that's a scary, a scary thing to think like, Hey, I went out there to conquer my fears and then I got, you know, sick and hopefully he will return to the sport, you know, once he gets his confidence and is released from the doctors. But that is, it is really a, um, a terrifying experience, but I think it's also wisdom for us to share with beginners that anything can happen. And you have to make sure that when you're physically fit, that you've gotten the release from your doctors. So can you speak to that so that people will understand the importance of being healthy before they come to the race site? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, obviously the waiver says like, yeah, I need to be medically cleared. And I, I definitely recommend that people, you know, get their, get their yearly checkups. And, you know, some people are just dealt a bad set of genetic cards you know, and, and then maybe they've got an underlying heart condition, but, you know, like it happens to even just like really good athletes, you know, and it, it's not just the beginners and it, it just, sometimes it just happens, but you can't, you can't focus on that because all the work that you're doing to get ready for a triathlon, these are all good things, you know, like the swim and the bike and the running, the consistent cardiovascular exercise, the stress relief it provides, the motivation to focus on have a better diet you know you can't you can't not do it because you know you might have a heart attack well last i checked no one gets out of here alive you know but i'm i'm gonna swim bike and run you know until well not until it kills me hopefully but you know uh you know but it's just you know these are all good things that add to the longevity and but just statistically yeah it, it you know bad things do happen but i see your doctor get you know you know, if you're above a certain age, maybe get the EKG or whatever it is and, you know, get that, get that clearance. But um, yeah, did that answer your question? It did. And it's, 
Uh, back to our beginners, because I, I have such a heart for beginners and just a heart for those who are tri-curious and want to know more about this sport. What have you witnessed in your time as a race director has been one of the most challenging, uh, some of the most challenging aspects for most beginners in their first race? Um, I think one of the most challenging aspects is the transition area. You know, just you come in there and there's like 500 other people and 500 bikes and people have got buckets and boxes and blankets and towels and they're like setting up beach chairs and you're like, dude, I've got a bike and a helmet and some running shoes. Like, did I not get the memo about all this other stuff I'm supposed to have? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You've got your bike. You've got your shoes. You got your goggles. Like, man, you're, dude, you're good to go. Like, we have a tendency to overcomplicate the sport. We really do. Like, oh, you know, I'm doing this kind of trend, doing that kind of trend. It's like, no, just, dude, show up, have a great time, and you're going to figure it out. Like, this isn't the Olympics. Like, you know, we're not storming the beaches of Normandy. It's, it's okay. And ask questions. Ask questions. Like, you know, you, you turn to the person on, on one side, they've probably done 25 races. The other person's probably like, you know, a former pro or collegiate athlete or, you know what I mean? And they're always, you know, people are generally very willing to share guidance and insight. And, hey, set your transitionary, like, hey, rack your bike by the seat post and, you know, da 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 da, -da. put your shoes over here and stick your race number inside your shoes so you don't run out of transition without it. Like, just the little things. It, it's, you know, can't let it intimidate you. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to lie. The transition area still is one of those intimidating areas for me. Um, recently at my race uh, with you all uh, for Mother's Day, um, the Kinetic Festival, this, I was nestled between two very strong, I will say elite amateur athletes. And the conversations that you hear amongst those who are checking bike gear and talking about, oh yeah, my bike is this Shimono 15,400 speed to the 10th, the power degree. And you're like, yes. I have this little track that's still aluminum and you know, I'm still checking on it. And they're like, well, my carbon fork is, you know, it's built to last by the uh, aluminum gods. Like, it's just interesting <laughs> to hear the conversations that you hear in transition. And it can be overwhelming because you're just like, but um, I just want to bike, swim, run. And then the gentleman was like, hey, and you're, you're, you're racked wrong. And then somebody came was like, no, she's not. You're racked wrong. Leave her alone. And I'm like, <laughs> mind you, I'm not a beginner at all. And this is all happening. My first race post COVID. And I'm sitting up here like, is this what we're going back to? But it's funny because this is what you get in transition. And, it, and then this particular guy who has the bike, his bike really was, I think, made out of titanium. So if that's a real thing, he, he, the focus was his bike because people are like, well, well, where did you get this bike? And how awesome is this? And, uh, and I'm sitting there like, um, okay, well, I have all this stuff because my transition area is messy. I am a hoarder. I bring everything. I'm one of those people who bring their lawn chairs, you know, just because I need to relax. I need to be able to be comfortable putting on my shoes. And everybody else's space was so nice and neat. And I was like, how do they function like this? Like, how do they know exactly what they need and get it down to a, pre a precise, uh, it's like a science. It's as if yeah. it's so, so precise. What can you tell or share if someone was to have this moment and they are a beginner and they're nestled between two amazing 
elite amateurs, what should they do in that moment? Um, so the best thing they can do is probably let the air out of their tires just a little bit, you know, no, just kidding. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, you know, again, take a deep breath, relax, you know, you can have a conversation and, and, and talk about, Hey, you know, how did you guys tweak your gear, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, just relax. I mean, there's just gonna, you know, it's, you don't need to be intimidated by it. Every, every master was once a beginner you know, and everybody starts somewhere. So everybody's welcome at, at the races. So uh, we don't discriminate on, you know, the first person or the last person to cross the finish line. So, um, but I, I think you can just, you know, try to try your, try your transitions at home once or twice, you know, and then that way, and then just, I mean, get the five gallon bucket from Home Depot, like between that and a backpack, you know, you've got your backpack on a bucket in one hand, your bike in the other, like you've got, you've got everything. It's a, it's a seat. If you need it, you can put all your wet gear in there after the race. If you need to keep something dry and it's raining, you can put gear in there before the race or during the race. Um, you know, you can play drums on it, you know, if you want to like, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's just a nice way to just keep everything nice and compact. Like you've got your bike on one side and then you've got your, you know, your, your, your towel folded in half twice and you've got your bucket and you've got your backpack right behind it. So you take care you, you use that that vertical space leading into the bike rack, just keeping everything contained in there. Um, you know, we really should do another talk on just like transitions. <laughs> no, oh, for sure. I'm, I'm glad that you're inviting yourself back because I will have you yeah. back to talk about transitions. So <laughs> we're marking this down. We will do another okay. talk about transitions. But you mentioned something about not discriminating against the first or the last. And I have to admit, um, my first long course race, I was one of the last, I thought I was the last, but then somebody came behind me and I was so grateful. I was like, that was not the last person, but you know, I do this sport because I love it. It keeps me active. It keeps me fit. And I truly enjoy just being out there. And for me, it's not about being the fastest. And so just so have it, I actually podium that event. So it doesn't matter when you get out there and you try, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. You might be on the podium just because you showed up. And for me, that was a testament to me of just show up. That's a testament to all of you who are trying just show up, do what you do, swim your swim, bike your bike, run your run and get across that finish line because at the finish line, you never know what's after for the reward for you just being there to try. Absolutely. Um, newbies and their experience. What do you think can enhance the experience? Because I think people should come with the expectation of knowing what to do before they even get there to help enhance their experience. Yeah, so I, I, th I think the best thing you can do as, as a beginner is to read the website, read the race website, because there's things on there. The cool thing about a website is that as race organizers, we take everything we want the athlete to know, and we put it all in one place, and that is called a race website. And if people were to read said race websites um, and click on the links and the emails we send them and read them, um, I think life would, you know, 99% of the questions are answered in there, like where to park, what time to get there, you know, how to get from, like, if it's not obvious, like Rock Hall, how to get from the transition area over to Swim Star. Like, you can't see it from here, but it's close. Um, you know, just read those emails, look at the course maps, and, you know, just get there early. 
get there early, get there at least an hour before the race starts to give yourself plenty of time. Cause you know, if you hit traffic or have to use the bathroom four or five times, like, you know, pre-race jitters, everybody gets them. Like it's okay. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Do other, do other sports talk about like bathroom schedules as much as triathletes? I I don't know that they do. It, it is a badge of honor to know how many times you're going to poop before you get there because you know if you've had this many poops, you know you're good to go. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. Pooping That's matters. True. That's a good one. Hashtag, <laughs> I need to put that on the shirt. How many times you poop before a start matters. Pooping matters. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That took me out of my zone right there. Yeah, we, we went there. We, we went there. We, we went all the way there because it matters. <laughs> it really does. Like, yeah. Again, I'm going back to the, the race that I just had and I didn't think it mattered until, okay, let me start back. I was staying with some triathletes and I had never stayed with triathletes before the Colonial Beach race. And that was my first time being in a house with true avid triathlete athletes. And the, the morning came up and they were having all these bathroom breaks. So imagine how the house smelled. Ooh, mm, mm. anyway. But they were like, how many poops did you have? And I was like, heck, I don't know, I didn't count. And then the other person says, well, I had three. Well, I had four. Well, I had two. And I'm like, why are we talking about poop? (laughs) (laughs) But now after that race, I started counting my poops and I realized that once I have said amount of poops, I am ready to go and I know I'm good to go. So it does matter. So listen, those who are, (laughs) you know, try curious or you're beginning or for those of you who just like this podcast and you are uh, an avid triathlete and you're here you know it matters so just know start counting your poops start becoming familiar with those because it actually starts in your training before you're going out for that long bike ride you'll start to notice you have to go to the bathroom a certain amount of times and um, yeah that matters I've lost all sense of track on where I wanted to go next but you know just know your poop matters how about that (laughs) Um, Speaking of races, um, a group of people in uh, my area of Washington, D.C., who we bike often and we often try together, we have this thing with bacon. And uh, for those of you who don't eat meat, I also sometimes choose when I eat meat and don't eat meat. But there's something special about having a triathlon that will have bacon as the end of race meal versus pizza is that an option that we have like a bacon fest like a a bacon triathlon i don't know who's cooking it well i mean you can figure out somebody who can cater it yeah i just never thought to have like bacon as like like a side dish because we'll do barbecue a lot yeah yeah and um you're gonna thank me for this let's think about next it was 2020 two a bacon side dish as a race course situation and see how many people sign up just because of the bacon and it has to be a particular cut like it has to be some thick cut or we can have variations it can be thick cut with sugar you know thick cuts honey smoked or hickory smoked but the bacon thing will be a winner are you a bacon connoisseur i'm mm, i feel like that's judgment it's not a judgment. You're like honey smoke, but you sound like Forrest Gump when he's talking about cooking different kinds of shrimp. <laughs> it's so funny because I didn't eat bacon for the longest time. And uh, I just reintroduced it back into my diet when I did Whole30. 
and realized, why did I deprive myself of bacon all this time? Mm -hmm. And uh, so it became a treat that whenever I would do a long run or a long bike, bacon was at the end of it. And it was a group of us who was like, oh, we'll bike for bacon or we'll run for bacon or we'll try for bacon. So I just thought it would be cool to ask you what your thoughts are and if we could get a bacon triathlon situation happening. I'll see what I can do. All right. I'll see what I can do. You guys heard it here. So if you're interested and you're a bacon lover and you want to come out to this event, we know that it might exclude some people and we're sorry in advance, but just know that we love everyone and you are included to come. And we'll even have some, perhaps some uh, vegan options of bacon because there's some good vegan bacon out there too. Like I, well, anyway, I get, clearly I guess I am a bacon connoisseur. You're, you're a bacon I think I am. I think I think yeah. I am. So I'll, all bacon matters in that, in that case too. So <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. If someone was interested in race directing, what does it mm-hmm. take? And what are some of the challenges that race directors go through when putting on a triathlon event? Um, so I think the, the first, the way to get into it, is I think you've got to have a passion for the job. You've got to have a passion for the sport. Like if you don't do triathlons, I don't think you're going to be a very good race director specifically. Um, cause it, it, I think it really takes being, you know, on the other side, like just being able to see a lot of courses, um, and just knowing what is appealing to you as an athlete, athlete. and what would you want to do? Like, this would be a fun race. Like this is a really pretty this is a pretty place to race. We should, we should do a triathlon here. It's a really nice lake or whatever. And then you just start looking around from there. Um, and then just get experience in the industry, you know, go volunteer for some places, you know, for some organizations or, you know, start, you know, as a, as a paid, paid staff person, um, you know, that'd be a good way to, to get into it. Um, there's not a lot of us around. It's kind of a, this is a small fraternity of, of race directors. You've got to really enjoy, um, permitting the permitting process is uh uh yeah it's a it's a kick in the teeth um especially this year but uh you know just you got to be good with people you've got to be good with people you know being able to you know go into new places and win hearts and minds of the community and and maintain those relationships for for years uh because it's you know it's hard to get a race going and it's very easy to lose so that's important. And you mentioned uh, the challenges of this year, especially with getting like permits. How has COVID changed the landscape of triathlons? Of what, for what aspect of tri- like the race itself or the planning process or? The planning, the racing, uh, the organizing, the volunteers, like how has COVID uh, maybe changed up your strategy? Sure. So it's been, it's been nutty, you know, last year, you know, the right call was the call we made, which was to just, you know, cancel the entire season. And, you know, we were kind of holding, holding on to hope through, I think, you know, late July or early August that we, we could have some races, but it just became clear that the writing was on the wall and we were, we were not going to be able to race anywhere close to the, the fashion where a, we could, you know, not lose a ton of, ton of money doing it. Like, Oh, we're going to put on a huge event for a hundred people. And we're just, we're just not set up for, for that. Um, but you know, the COVID, you know, obviously it, it, we had to change some of our just racing protocols and, and just how the flow of the event works. Um, you know, like giving people a mask, 
It's saying, hey, you have to wear a mask from your car to athlete check-in, and you've got to wear a mask from athlete check-in through transition area to the start of the swim, and then you dispose of your mask. You know, I'm a huge fan of vaccinated people outside not having to wear masks. Um, so as soon as all the, as soon as those regulations are lifted, we are gonna we're gonna get rid of those those requirements. Um, you know, but. Some of the, the flow, like we're now doing dynamic bib assignments. So the first person to come to athlete check-in, you're number one. The second person is number two. You know, it just reduces some of the, the touch points that we had to do, uh, which is great. And so people have to do less stops during the race to get to get ready. I, I felt like that's a win-win. Um, the time trial start has been a big, a big change versus a wave start for the swim. Um, Generally, the, the feedback has been pretty positive. I, I'd say probably 85% of the people like not getting kicked in the face at the start of the swim, um, you know, go figure. And our water safety people really, really like it because if somebody gets 50 meters out and they realize, hey, my wetsuit is, you know, super tight or I need to adjust it or I, I brought in, a, you know, inhaled a bunch of water, I need to just kind of get out of the line. They're a lot easier to, to go and assist and to see those folks that are having problems, especially the early part of the race, because uh, there's not a hundred people, they're not one of a hundred people, you know, in a rugby scrum in the water. It's it's just one or two at a time. And so that's that's been really great. That's a that's a change we're definitely gonna keep for the remainder of the year and you know, possibly forever. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, so the race specifically, you know, those those have been some of the changes. The planning, the back end planning has been really tricky um for for our organization we do races across five states and man i tell you it is getting a dot permit in one state versus getting a dot permit in another is a completely different ball game and some of them i'm just like ah, this is just absolutely insane like just it's just insanity um you know for some of some of these places um you know but, you know, I'm going to get my like third degree black belt in permitting uh, by the end of this year. There's going to be a ceremony. And um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I wonder if race directors just sit back and talk about, listen, in this state and in this city, just watch out. Like the stories yes. that you guys have <clears throat> about putting on these races that people aren't privy to. But we, I just want to say thank you on behalf of those of us who race. Thank you for the the trauma that you have experienced in getting these race permits this season, because it does feel good to be racing again. And I think that was a part of my emotional moment is just being able to be around people again and to be able to see the atmosphere because it was so electrifying and it just felt good to be able to have that opportunity. So I was like, man, this is amazing. Um, I wanna also just ask you, and I thought about this as you were talking about different ways that they, if an athlete gets choked up, you know, from drinking too much water, they can be on the, uh, the boats and they can have assistance. Can you walk me through uh, the different uh, touch points of safety that's set up for athletes from the swim, on the bike, and in the run? I know that they are people, uh, the, 
the swim safety team. And then there's bikers who there's a, a car going back and forth just to check on, uh, there's a race truck and then for the swim, I mean, in the bike. So can you talk about that a little bit? This is a checkpoint. So people know, know that they are safety measures in place during the race that they know that they can be safe at all times. Sure, sure. So the, the water safety is, you know, pretty, pretty basic. We'll have a team of, of lifeguards out there on kayaks and paddle boards. We'll have some lifeguards on shore. We'll put some lifeguards on, on the, on the fire rescue boats out there. And we'll typically have, you know, a couple of fire rescue boats out there with, you know, EMTs or firemen or, you know, a diving team out there, just people that are able to bring somebody into the boat, you know, that gets, that gets tired. Um, the, uh, so the water safety team, uh, will have those, those folks out there just keeping, keeping people safe. Um, and then on the bike course, we'll have law enforcement at all the intersections where you're, you know, turning left across traffic or, you know, going through a stop sign. And, you know, we, you know, want to make sure that athletes are safe as they go through and, you know, it's a race so that they pay to have the right of way during that event through those, through those intersections. Um, and then we'll, we'll have like motorcycle crews out there you know, they're, they're driving around looking for problems, mechanical or medical, and then they just, they can call it in. Um, some races will have ham radio guys out there at various intersections, just kind of keeping tabs on, on things. Um, we'll have, you know, an ambulance stationed out at the park, at the swim, and then another, generally another one that's got access to the bike course. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll have, you know, bike mechanics or our staff, you know, riding around fixing, fixing flat tires and, and bringing people back. And then the run course is, you know, We'll have aid stations with water and Gatorade every mile, mile and a half, ice and, and other things. And then just have, you know, people on mountain bikes out there just kind of cruising, looking for problems and race truck is out there looking for people that, you know, bit off more than they could chew and, you know, maybe need a ride back. And, you know, it happens. It happens, you know, cramping up or whatever, and you know, happens to the best of us. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, at the beginning of the race, there are some people walking around that can look scary and intimidating and they have like a pen and pad in their uh, hand and they are writing down certain things. And as uh, an announcer on the back end of it, they come to us and they report certain issues that are happening. Yeah. But can you talk about those pretty scary people who can kind of affect your race perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. So those will be the USAT race officials and those folks are great. Uh, they, they really are. It is a, it, it can be a thankless job. It, it really can be, but they are, they are out there because they love the sport. Um, I think most, I can, I can say with a lot of certainty that most of them, they're not out there on a power trip. They just really want to help educate people first and foremost, you know, Hey, you know, this is, you know, if you have a question on, on race rules or just etiquette or just like, you know, do I swim first, <laughs> you know, um, just, you know, being another resource for people to ask, to ask questions about the event or the sport in, in general. Um, and then just, they're looking for safety issues, you know, like bar end plugs or just, you know, ma making sure that, you know, race directors who sanction through USA triathlon have adequate safety measures in place to, to, ho to host a safe event. Um, and then they're out there to enforce the rules of competitive, competitive sport, you know, so I, I highly recommend folks just read that comp you know, USA triathlons, most commonly violated rules. It's a, it's a one or two page document. We've got it linked on our website or the USA triathlon website. 
you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, but you know, it, it comes down to triathlon as an individual sport and you should be doing it as an individual. So not drafting on the bike, and then you don't want to have an unfair advantage over somebody else or cause a dis have your race cause someone else to have a disadvantage or cause someone else to encounter a safety issue if they're trying to pass you or something like that. So like the headphones, we get that a lot. Like people are like, why can't I listen to music while I run? Well, the reason being is if somebody's running through an intersection, we're like, wait, 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 there's a car coming. You know, they need to be able to hear that instruction uh, you know, from volunteers and staff, like, hey, on your left, on your left, move over. And if somebody's jamming out to, you know, whatever, and they're on the bike or the run, they've got headphones in and they've got no idea what's going on around them. They don't have that situational awareness and that presents a safety issue. Um, it also, you know, people have been shown that you're listening to music and you can push yourself a little harder. So that's an unfair advantage to have. So you can't, you can't do that. Sorry. Sorry, Again, folks. It's back to that music. It does make you, it makes you go. It gets you that song. You just like, bam, bam. And then yep. it could be a bam if you're not paying attention. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, speaking of USA Triathlon, I think it's important to know that there's a certain card that you have to have uh, when coming up to race day. And, and people are sometimes often shocked that they have to pay an additional amount for entry to race because they thought that everything was taken care of. Can you talk about the importance of having this card, what it is and why is it necessary? Yeah. So let me, let me start that with by giving a little bit of background on USA triathlon. So USA triathlon is the sports governing body. So they've got their office out in Colorado Springs, just like all the other Olympic sports and they oversee triathlon, you know, and one of their mandates is to, to, to fill the pipeline and to get, you know, feel the U S Olympic team. Okay. And to grow the sport, both at a grassroots level to eventually get that pipeline down to the folks that go, go to the Olympics. So that's their mandate. Um, and they, they help promote safe racing. And, you know, part of that is they provide the insurance for the races. So like insurance race insurance, where you've got people doing an outdoor sport, you know, and some would consider it an extreme sport. Um, you know, it's not, it's not inexpensive to insure, um, and so if you are not an, a, an annual member as a beginner, um, it's, it's $15 additional to the entry fee. And that, that makes you a one day member of the USA triathlon, you know, of USA triathlon. And what that does is that gives, um, you know, it gives us insurance uh, uh, for you in case you get hurt. Um, and it gives the athlete additional insurance, it gives them a $25, $25,000 excess medical policy. So if somebody, gets hurt at a race, you know, and they've got say $50,000 in medical bills. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So hopefully it's never that much, but you know, they've got um, $25,000 that kicks in after their, you know, their primary insu insurance triggers. So if they've got $10,000 of out-of-pocket costs to cover that their insurance didn't cover, now that USA triathlon medical policy kicks in and it's a, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's insurance, you know, like it's a pain in the butt, but all insurance is kind of a pain in the butt, but it's, you know, it, it's really helped some people out of some jams. And I'm really glad that USA triathlon uh, provides that insurance for us, you know, and, and also part of that, that $15, it goes to fund, you know, the programs that, that they fund, um, you know, like getting, getting new people into the sport, you know, uh, 
the, um, the collegiate NCAA women's racing, you know, that it, it helps to fund that, you know, all the different initiatives that USA triathlon does just to keep the sport vibrant and growing. That's where, that's where it goes. So can you tell I'm a fan of USA triathlon? Hey, I'm a fan too. I think they do amazing work and I love what they're doing. So yes, I can tell you're a fan. We're both a fan. Everybody should be a fan of USA. They should. They really should. should Yeah. Some folks give them a bad rap and they're like, oh, their insurance is too expensive or da, 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 da. I'm like, dude, you know, do you want to go try to run the Olympic program? Yeah. Okay. So deal with it. And it's great. It's great. They just got a deal. And if not, goodbye. But guess what? They deal because they want to race. Yep. So who's the winner? I think it's USA Triathlon. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally think it's them. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just important. So we come to the part of this amazing interview where I have some fast track uh, questions to ask you. I don't want okay. you to think too, too hard or too long. Uh, and I say this, I just want you to go for it and whatever comes to your mind first, just... <laughs> These are rapid fire questions for a purpose. Okay. Now, because I know you, I know you know, uh, this is gonna be a good first setup. So I'm talking about music, your favorite artist. My favorite artist? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Um, I haven't been asked that question in like 20 years. <laughs> Hence <laughs> why they're rapid fire. All this thinking. Come on, it's rapid um, fire. So I, I, I will, I will tell you my my favorite, um, my favorite Pandora, my top three favorite Pandora stations. How's that? Okay, that's fair. So um, I, I, I like to work listening to either classical music, techno music, like Tool, or um, like deep heavy bass rap. And just like, cause I, like, I don't listen to the lyrics. I don't listen to the lyrics for any of it. It's just, I just that like that bass just keeps thumping. I have my headphones on, I drink a, a bunch of coffee and I can just crush permits for three or four hours, you know? That's it. And just to that point, there is a station where you can only listen to the beats of the songs like rap beats. Mm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We'll talk offline about it, but okay. there is, a, oh, yeah. cause I'm into it. I love classical music. So yeah. Anyway, let me get back to my rapid fire. Okay. Sorry. Uh, favorite thing about triathlon overall. Favorite thing is it's, it, it, it's such a great workout. It's so, it's just so healthy. And the fact that you can, you can, you can swim, you can bike, you can run. It doesn't all have to be on the same day. Like I can get, two or three runs in a week, I can get one swim and one bike and one or two weightlifting sessions. And I feel like I can go out any week of the year and do a triathlon. Like I might not be super fast, you know, like I might not be like, you know, at my a race or like at my racing peak, but you know, you can just string it all together and there's seasons of multi-sport. Like I've just been running a ton the last five or six years. Before that, I was biking all the time. And there's just a seasonality to it. You get stronger on the bike, you get stronger on the run, you know, you add a little muscle, maybe you lean up a little bit. It's just the seasonality of it is great. And you, it's a sport you can do for, for a lifetime. It really is. It is. Pee on the bike or get off and pee properly? Um, <laughs> I would say pee properly. I, it's, it is, you know, back when I was riding a lot, like, man, like, 
people that just pee on themselves, I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like, how much money, how much money is there at the end of the, I mean, peeing in your wetsuit is one thing. Peeing oh. on the bike, that's just nasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep going because I don't want you to judge me now. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm considered nasty, but it's okay. Uh, it's not, so, it's not and, something I would do. That's all. People. Okay. Because you're just no too proper, just, just a southern gentleman, right? Um, <laughs> at the end of the race, do you prefer beer, wine, water, or soda? Beer. Good. Uh, beer. What's your post work? post-workout or post-triathlon favorite food? Waffle House. Mm -hmm. Smothered or scattered? Smothered and covered. Chunked. Oh my goodness. That's my heart. <laughs> okay. Favorite place to bike? Favorite place to bike. Oh, man. There's so many great places to ride. Like, do I have to break it down by state? Just give me your favorite Blue place Ridge around. Parkway. There it is. Blue Ridge Parkway. And Can't this one is... It's, it's going to make or break our, our, our friendship. Sweet tea or iced tea? Sweet tea or non-sweet tea? Uh, Diet Coke. I love you. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a tea person either. Yeah. Oh, so all the Southerners listening, just, just leave us alone. That warms my heart. Thank you so much, Greg, for your time, your efforts. This has been so fun. And I hope that the viewers who are viewing this and are listening to this will really grasp what they need to, I guess, just start the race. Of course, this isn't everything and there's tools and resources out there that will be able to provide you with more substantial uh, information. But I think this is a good start and thank you, Greg. And if you're interested in racing uh, kinetic multi-sports, I highly recommend it. I mean, one, you will have some of the most phenomenal announcers announcing the race. Shout out to Ken Berger and the crew. Um, including myself. <laughs> um, and you have a phenomenal uh, race director and race staff. Uh, the Kinetic Multisports site is kineticmultisports.com. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-C multisports.com. So we'll definitely put that listed. Is there any way that people can connect with you if they wanted to connect with you or your organization on social media? Can you provide that for them? Yes, they can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Kinetic, Kinetic Multisports. Um, I'm not really on, I have a social media account, but I don't, I don't check it. I just kind of stalk the, the company pages and that's, and that's it. Okay. So, and because I think you will say it better, can you give your website again? Sure. It's kineticmultisports.com, K-I-N-E-T-I-C, multisports, M-U-L-T-I-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. It's a mouthful, I know, but Kinetic Multisports, or you can just Google uh, Go Kinetic and it'll pop right up. Hashtag Go Kinetic, hashtag Go Try Beginner's Luck, hashtag just get out there and try. This has been great. We hope to, that you've enjoyed this episode and we hope that you join us again for the next episode. Until then, Mashonda's out. Thanks, Mashonda. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.